Well, good morning, everybody. Great to be with you. My name is Alex Graman. I am the campus pastor over at our Torrance location. Uh, hey, let me greet you that I can see here at Manhattan Beach. Thank you so much for being at church this morning. Of course, we are connected now live with our Torrance campus. Love everybody over there. So glad that we're connected with you. And then uh, if you're watching this online, maybe that's Sunday, maybe it's throughout the week. Thanks for keeping up with church this week. So glad we can all be together. Hey, we are continuing uh, our series that is called Faith Under Construction. The idea behind this series is that we are on this journey of faith, and we maybe that is a new construction project that you're doing where you are building your faith for the first time, or maybe that's a well-worn faith. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and it just needs a few touch-ups or some rebuilding. Uh, we want to be helpful on that journey uh, all together. Uh, now, that looks a lot like uh, working together to move forward closer to God, but the twist sort of, if you can call it that, of the series is that it's not about just handing out the answers that we all need for that journey. Instead, this series is much more about how, how we take the journey, who we are along the way, and finding out that the character that we display during the journey of faith can make a giant difference in our success, especially in the long term. Uh, so, for instance, last week, uh, Pastor Jason kicked off the series by showing us that we, as we approach this journey of faith, need to have this characteristic, humility. We cannot want to grow closer to God and yet come in as if we have everything, everything already figured out, as if we're in the ones in control of that process. Instead, we have to become people who are learners, humble ourselves into a place where we trust God to direct us, to lead us into a strong and vibrant faith. Well, today, we're going to add a second characteristic to the necessity of the, the tools we can use to do this construction of faith, and that is this, curiosity. We have to become people who are genuinely curious, wanting to learn more, wanting to move forward by asking great questions when it comes to faith. Um, as a young person, I remember having kind of a 50-50 split in my experience of church and God where the negative 50% of that was in locations or environments where the message unspoken was, hey, faith is either something you have or you don't have. Faith by itself, you shouldn't ask questions. You shouldn't probe into it. Instead, you just need to believe. In fact, there is still, maybe some of you have had bad experiences like that in churches prior uh, in your experience, where you really felt like, I don't know what's going on here, and I don't feel comfortable to ask any questions that would help me find out about that. I'm so sorry for that, because really what we're going to talk about today is that asking great questions is the thing that can set us up when we come to this complicated issue of how do we build our faith. I've actually been going through an experience outside of church that has taught me a lot about my own need to engage with curiosity. Uh, so let me tell you a little bit about that. Some of you know that I have two sons at home, uh, and our older son, his name is Martin. He's 17, a junior at West High in Torrance. If you've ever seen him, you'll recognize him. He's got this mighty mane of hair, very distinct hair on my guy. But uh, Martin has been taking Japanese classes for the past three years as his foreign language in Torrance, uh, and has always wanted to travel. We, we've looked at a couple opportunities to travel to Japan. Well, it turns out, some of you might know this, is that Torrance, where we live, has a sister city relationship to uh, a city in 
uh, right outside of Tokyo called Kashua. And every year they take eight students on an exchange trip for three weeks in the summer uh, over there, and then we receive some students uh, for a few weeks in August. So my, my son found out about this, and here's the kicker for me as a parent, it's reasonably affordable. <laughs> so other opportunities he came home with, I said, that's impossible, please never think about that again. Uh, this one I said, hey, you better apply for this one, this would be great, because I love the idea too of cultural exchange, that it's not just tourism, it's that he'd really be learning quite a bit uh, about Japanese culture. Uh, so he got to work putting his uh, application together. He did that faithfully. And it turned out it needed to be handed in only three days later at uh, what they called a 50th reunion uh, banquet. And so that was like, hey, show up with your application in hand. We did. My wife and I and my son showed up at this banquet, handed in our paperwork. And then the fun began because I, we, there was so much we didn't know about this experience. The first thing we found out was that there were eight spots but 11 students applying. And so it was going to be a many-month process of them weeding them out, I suppose, uh, to decide who these eight were. And that that's many-month process included several interviews with their committee, uh, a home visit where they checked our house to see if it was safe to receive a Japanese student, several other special events that we needed to go to, even a weekend worth of volunteering that our whole family was required to do, even before we knew if he was going to go on the trip or not. They really put us through the ringer, friends. Uh, but for Martin, the biggest deal was we showed up at that banquet and they said, hey, by the way, in five minutes, we want all the applicants, each applicant, to come up to the front and give a little bit of info to the whole crowd about why you should be considered for this opportunity. I don't know how you feel, but five minutes and having to do public speaking is not something that every teenager's like, yes, I can't wait. But Martin is a man of uh, integrity, and so he said, sure, I can, I can do that. And so with his slightly, wrinkly, uh, slightly wrinkled dress shirt, he got up there and did his little spiel, and it was great. He did fantastic. After that, they talked all about, boy, they said this over and over. They said, this is going to change your life. If you go on this trip, you are going to be adopted into this family of people that go. You, you and your family will never be the same. I remember hearing that and being like, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that, <laughs> for my kid to go on a trip, and I, my life will be changed by that. Um, that was pretty intimidating to hear. Uh, finally, though, at the end was probably the biggest kicker in all this, at the end, a committee member stood up and said, hey, many of you know this, but we end every gathering with a traditional Japanese dance called the Kashua Adori, the dance of Kashua. And so now everyone please rise and spread out around the room and make a circle. Now, keep in mind, there were like news cameras there because this thing is a big deal in Torrance. I certainly made my way out of line of sight from the news cameras because we were all made a big giant circle and then they, a traditional Japanese musician and singer came out and started the song and we all, we all danced the traditional Kashua Adori. Actually, I have a video. This is not us, obviously, you'll see, but they sent out this video later for us to learn this dance a little bit. So I've been, I've been practicing. I'm not going to show you. I'm too good. I don't want to show off. Um, maybe you know the Kashua Adori. We, I expect that we'll all be ready next week uh, to, to participate. Okay. <laughs> you can pull that in. Um, we did it. We got through that entire event, and I was flummoxed. It was complicated. It was challenging. It was intriguing and interesting, but a little scary. I think I've talked about this before. I'm an introvert. And so the idea of like, hooray, get around the room and start dancing, that was new for me. Now, let me spoil the end of the story. Praise the Lord. Martin got chosen. He gets to go to Japan this summer for a bargain price. Um, 
That's actually not the point of the story, though, although thank you for celebrating with me. Here's the point. I had one striking thought when I was going through this, especially that experience at that banquet, and here's what it is. That was so much like church. For many of you who are new with us at Journey of Faith, you're like, that sounds exactly like what I experienced at church. I walked in not knowing what to expect. In fact, I was outside of my comfort zone, even walking in the building, and there were all sorts of expectations that were put on me that I didn't know the answer to. And then, all of a sudden, they're like, great, everybody stand up and sing along. (laughs) Now, we don't have specific dance moves you need to do, but we do have a segment of the service, 15 or 20 minutes, where it's like, please participate. And it's, that can be very awkward if you're new. And listen, we say all, now good news, we're not going to have each and every one of you come up here and tell us why you're at church. That would be fun, but a little too long and awkward. Um, in, but listen, we, we do say those same things they said at the banquet all the time. We say your, your connection with God will change your life. If you connect with him, you will never be the same. You and your family will experience transformation. I can imagine how intimidating that must be to hear. And it can set you up to think, boy, there are so many things I don't know. Am I in the right place? Listen, I want to give you the good news from my experience with this Japanese exchange program to say the number one thing that we need to engage in, if you have felt that or are feeling that even today, is our topic for today, which is curiosity. I did not understand what was happening at this Japanese exchange program. You know what I did? Instead of being intimidated and scared, I started asking questions. I started going to the committee and saying, hey, explain this to me. Tell me about the background of this. They loved it. They were not out to separate me by being intimidating. They wanted to share every bit of background and information and cultural meaning that they could. It was a wonderful experience, changed completely by the desire to be curious about that situation that was new to me. That's a lot like faith where if we make that transition to not pretending like we have all the answers, we do not, but instead saying, I'm going to be a curious person, engage my thinking mind with what God is up to in my life, it can be life-changing. In fact, here's the best possible news. Jesus himself makes a promise that if we do engage like that, he will be found by you. A famous verse, let's look at it. This is Jesus speaking. He says to everybody, keep on asking. You'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking. There it is. Seek after me. You will find. Keep on knocking. The door will be open to you. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. A promise from Jesus himself. If you engage in curiosity about faith, he will be found by you. I want to encourage you, when you come to church, you are not being asked to leave your brain at the door. Instead, we need to become a people of thinking faith. People who are willing to bring our questions. God can handle our questions. Not only that, he delights when we are interested and moving towards him. He invites us in with open arms. Let's engage intellectually, even with some healthy doubt at times. Here's our main point. You can see it here. We can build our faith by asking questions, thinking, and exploring I I needed to hear this as a teenager. I hope some of you, this is a relief. It's not like you've got your thinking brain and then here you've got your religious brain. Let's bring our thoughts. Let's bring our reason. Let's bring our exploration to this. The way we're going to look at this truth today is we're going to explore three different questions that people asked directly to Jesus in the Bible that we can read about. Um, And actually, different than normal, 
usually when we look at the Bible, we're looking for good examples, ways that we can just emulate. We're actually, the first two questions we're going to look at are the opposite. They're bad examples. Here's what they are. First two questions we're going to look at is, who is my neighbor and what is truth? Now, the questions themselves aren't bad, but some of you know these stories. It's the motivation of the person asking these questions that really stops them in their tracks, helps them not get anywhere at all. Then for the third question, it's going to be a good example. Here's the final one. Has the time come? It's a great question asked with a good heart. These are, some of you know where these come from. That'll be fun to explore. If not, we're going to walk through these stories together. So let's start. What does it look like to ask a great question, or a poor one in this case? Let's start with, who is my neighbor? Uh, the lesson we're going to learn from the person who asked that question is our first main point, and that is this. We need to ask genuine questions. Uh, During his time uh, on earth, Jesus uh, traveled and taught, and during the course of his teaching, uh, people would come in different uh, backgrounds and lifestyles would come and listen to him. One day, while he was teaching, a, a specific group of religious people, people who thought themselves very highly religious, was there, and one of them kind of wanted to show off by asking a pointed question to Jesus. So that's where we are in the story. Let me show you how this guy asked the question. It says, one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? He's referring here, the law of Moses was the Old Testament section of the Bible, specifically the first five books, that this religious leader surely had read. So Jesus is saying, you're very religious. What do you think? What have you read? Here's how the guy answers. The man answered, well, I've read, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the best. Jesus says, right. Wouldn't that be great to hear that from Jesus? Right. Jesus told him, do this and you'll live. Now, that would be great. Let's, I wish it had just ended there. Way to go. You had a good interaction with Jesus. He asked you a question. It was so great. Wasn't that cool to be a celebrity? The guy blows it because he takes it one step further, reveals he's not coming from a place of being genuine at all. Here's what happens next. The man wanted to justify his actions. So we asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now you, you, We see it here. This is not like, I don't know my neighbor's names. Maybe I'll get to know them. Who is my, he, no, he's not saying that. He's really asking a question in order to justify his bad behavior already because this guy wants to know, who can I exclude from love? Who, who will God allow? I'm not, certainly not that person, right, Jesus? He's trying to justify the poor behavior he already has by asking Jesus a disingenuous question. Who is my neighbor? Now, some of you might know, Jesus answers him by telling one of his most famous stories, the parable of the good Samaritan. We're actually not going to even tackle the story today, though I'd love for you to read it uh, in the book of Luke this week. It's a wonderful, a classic story about compassion and connection, um, because what Jesus does with this story is actually speak to the question asker, who's, remember, the question asker's uh, question was this, who is my neighbor? Jesus says, that's not a genuine question because it looks outside. Here's the genuine question you should be asking, buddy. Here it is. Am I a good neighbor? He shouldn't be saying, who should I exclude? Who do I get to exclude, God? You Please tell me that I'm right. Instead, you should be saying, God, what do I need to learn? How do I become more loving to the people around me? Jesus wants him to do what our first point is. Let's look at it again, to ask genuine questions, not ones that were like, well, I'll ask this question as long as I already know the answer. I'll ask this question as long as Jesus tells me that my lifestyle is already the correct one. That's not how faith works. 
God is so wonderful, so big, so beautiful. He invites you to move closer to him, not stay the same. Genuine questions will bring us away from ourselves and closer to him as we think about the questions that we have in our lives. So let me give you this first action step here. It begins a process for a lot about writing. I want you to write out a list of genuine questions you've always wanted or needed to ask about faith. If you're new to faith or just exploring, this might be ultra things you might consider ultra basics. That's okay. It might be a list of 90 different questions. For some of you who have been Christians for a long time, you are not excused from this exercise. There are things, you know, for me, it was during uh, 2020 that we had a lot of downtime in different ways, didn't we? Where I said, boy, I've been a Christian for 25 years. I have been a pastor for 20 of those. But there are major questions that I haven't really put the time into research. I should do that. It was life-changing for me. Um, I want to invite you, even if you have a long-term faith, to actually write down some questions that are still there for you. Because you know what you'll find? As you start to consider what these questions are, you will move closer to God's truth. God is an invitational God. Ask the questions that have been on your heart, and he will help you find him. Find his truth. In fact, uh, I want to use truth as kind of the bridge to the second question. Second question we're going to look at today is that question, what is truth? Now again, it looks like a question. It's not even really a question. This is from a context in the Bible where someone is just throwing up their hands. Well, what is even truth? I forget it. I give up. Um, I've faced that recently. Uh, maybe you have in your life where you just give up on something that seems overly complicated. Some of you know I've been working on a YouTube project, and I won't bore you with the details, but I, I needed a piece of equipment for my project recently. I needed one button, one USB button, big. That was my goal. I need one big USB button. I went to the internet. That's where you go for stuff. I went, and you need to know, I am so good at surfing the internet. I'm incredible at surfing the internet. I thought this was going to be an easy internet question. I would like to buy one reasonably priced giant button. It turns out it opened the floodgates of complication and expense and annoyance to me. I was really flustered this week. I did find on Amazon, here's an example. Looks huge, doesn't it? This is what I wanted, one button. This looks gigantic, but it's not. It's just like one key of your keyboard. Guess how much this costs? 20 bucks. I can get a whole keyboard for that. That's what I thought in my head. So I was like, that's too expensive. Maybe I caused my own problem. That's too expensive. I just need one button. I don't want to be at $20. So there's other options. I looked on YouTube. You can build your own USB button. But that took all sort of 3D printing and soldering and programming microcomputers, and it's too much. So finally, you know what I did? I was like, forget it. I still don't own my button. I don't have a button. Now, some of you sitting here might be like, I know exactly what it needs. I run a button company, and I should tell them afterwards. Listen, here's the thing, though. I don't want your help. I'm over this thing. What is truth? I gave up. I was so annoyed, I don't even want your help. <laughs> I don't want your stupid button. I shouldn't be so mean. Uh, please, if you want to email me or something. Have you been there in your life? You've got some hobby, you've got some low-stake thing, and you're like, forget it. Throw up your hands, because you thought it was going to be simple. The answer was complicated. Have you been there with faith? That, that's harder. Th- this guy uh, that we're going to look at who asked this question was there. Uh, Jesus, again, he spent much of his time teaching, but the people he was teaching, especially the religious rulers of his day, were worried that his growing influence in the spiritual world was going to take away their political power. And so they plotted to kill him. In fact, they brought false religious charges against him and got him arrested. 
Uh, this is near the end of his life. They, they brought him in front of their religious court, but the, the law of the day said they also needed to bring him to the, the representative of the Roman government in their area uh, because the Roman government was uh, an oppressive leader in that uh, place in the world during their time. So they had to drag Jesus in front of a guy named Pilate. Pilate was the local Roman government rep, and he got woken up in the night and said, we're bringing this guy Jesus in on strange religious charges, and Pilate was already annoyed because he was not a specifically religious guy. He sort of faked his way through it. So Jesus is there with him, and Pilate didn't know what to do. was mostly just annoyed, and starts asking him questions. Pilate had heard that people, both in mockery and some genuinely, had called Jesus the king of the Jews. So Pilate asks, well, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, well, I am a king, but not of an earthly kingdom. He gives him a complicated answer. Pilate is even more annoyed. He's like, so just tell me, are you, so you are a king then? And Jesus says, my, my mission is to share truth. And then the question comes. Pilate, who's already annoyed, says this. What is truth? And he goes on to berate Jesus, eventually lets them murder him on a cross. The irony of this question, the deep miss and sadness that we should feel from this question is heavy. Pilate had God himself in the room. This is a God-sized question. God, what is truth? How do I navigate truth? How do I discover it? How do I compare it to people who have a different perspective? How do I live my life based on what I understand is truth? What is truth is the perfect question to ask the Son of God, but he wasn't actually answering it. The answer was too, he wasn't actually asking it. The answer was too complicated. He threw up his hands. Please don't do that. At the beginning of our question-asking journey, we need to be prepped because faith is spiritually complicated and rich and challenging. We need to know that the answers might also be that and stick with it. That's where our second main point comes from. We have to face into complicated or challenging answers. If Pilate had done that, had taken a breath and said, man, I live my whole life in political power, you're saying there's a different kind of kingdom And he was, tell me more, help me understand. Can you imagine the difference, both historically but specifically in Pilate's eternity that would have happened? I don't want you to miss the same opportunity to ask the questions and face into challenging answers. Um, We have a diagram that we always pull up in these cases when we're talking about what do we believe around here as a church, and I think it would be helpful just to look at it together again. Maybe you've seen this before. Uh, It's called the... The bullseye. (laughs) I asked our graphic designer this week, she's like, what do you want on your diagram? I said, make it look like a Target. She took me very seriously. This looks like the Target (laughs) logo. It's not a story about Target. This is our bullseye diagram. Great job, Kat. She took, I love that. Made up of three circles. Really, the first is this one, which we call our die for circle. These are our beliefs that we would go to the grave believing. Uh, They are the absolute most vital. It might surprise some of you to know that there is very little in that circle. And really, any th- only things that exist in the circle is what we call the gospel, the good news, and that is that we know that God loves us. I would die for that truth, that he loves you. But the second thing is also true, that we have sinned. Our things we do wrong separate us eternally from God. But God made a plan. He sent his son, Jesus, to die so that we don't have to And if we would believe in that, he offers us forgiveness and reconnection and guidance and eternal life. That's it. (laughs) 
That's the only thing that deserves the level of biblical truth that I would die for because it is so overwhelmingly clear. The moment you stop believing that, you need to be reminded that Jesus loves you. He gave his life so he could be with you forever. Um, That is the ultimate truth that we have from God and his beauty. But there are other circles, aren't there? Here's the second one, is this defend. There are beliefs that we believe very strongly. We would defend even if they differ a little bit from other well-meaning Christians that we call our brothers and sisters, different churches. So in this, in this category, it would be like how we do baptism or how we celebrate communion uh, or how we try to live a certain lifestyle in connection with God's truth. Those are defend type of things. Our core beliefs that are, are many, of, many of you might see, you can go on our website and read our core beliefs. They straddle that line right there of things that we would say we agree on these things. It might be slightly different between how other Christians react and live their lives, and that's okay. That doesn't separate us. Uh, that keeps us together. But then there's the third, third circle, which is our discuss. You would be shocked at how many of your favorite beliefs do not fall and die for, but instead fall just in the disgust category. And it is an unbelievably wonderful place to have great conversations. Um, I want you to know that, for instance, we had an event, uh, a class a couple months ago that we'll do again in the fall called Start Your Journey. Uh, And it was a class designed for people to learn the basics of faith and ask any questions they had. Uh, At the Torrance Group, there was a wonderful woman who two sessions in said, I'm finally ready. This was like the last minute of the class that night. I'm finally comfortable enough to ask a question I've had for 20 years. I could not wait to hear the question. And it was a beautifully, she put it so simply, these couple questions they had. And I had to tell her, we will spend the entire next session talking about that. Because if I, I won't do it justice to try to discuss it right now, it'll be doing you a disservice. Instead, we're going to devote our whole next session to that. It was wonderful because it was a discuss topic. If she had said, my question is, does God love me? Absolutely. Thank you for coming to the class tonight. But... Most questions are discuss questions. Most questions we have about faith are how do I live that? What does it look like? How do I connect? What do I believe? How do I integrate that into my life? So let me give you an action step on this one. In that list, remember you made a list of questions, highlight some of your questions that might have complicated answers. It would do us well to mentally prep for a good discussion rather than just saying, you got two minutes, give me an answer. That's not how God works. He didn't even do that when he was answering Pilate. He wanted to spend more time with Pilate talking about the truth that he had to share. And actually, that brings us to our last uh, main point today. It's a simple one. We'll go a little faster. Explore faith together. It is not a solo journey. Yes, you can do research on your own. That's wonderful. But I would really encourage you to do this step together. Uh, After Jesus is in front of Pilate, he is crucified Three days later, he rises back from the dead. And there's this period of 40 days-ish that he is alive again before he goes back to heaven. And actually, that was one of the questions that came up in our Start Your Journey class. Uh, One of the people was like, where is Jesus? You guys keep saying he's alive. Where does he live? Does he go to Journey of Faith? It was a wonderful question because we claim Jesus is alive. Where the heck is he? (laughs) Well, she had not heard the part of the story where Jesus ascends to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit. So is he at Journey of Faith? Absolutely. Through his Holy Spirit that is within his people. And so it was a wonderful question. The, The disciples in that period, 40 days, were also wrestling with stuff that they didn't understand. Very much like Pilate, they were saying, oh good, is this 
Is this when political power is going to happen, Jesus? Are you going to finally free the Jewish people from the Roman oppressors and give Jews political power and take over the world? Jesus, well, let's look at their question. They ask it very genuinely. They say, Lord, has the time come? There's our question. Has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus has a complicated answer for them. He says, no, guys, it's not about political power. I know you can't understand that. I know you live in a world of business. I know you live in a world of political strength. That's not who I am. I'm here to do something even more transformational than that. He says there is a power. Here's what he says, though. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Jesus says, you can, you can take your political power. I've got power that will change the universe, and that is the power of God's love that you are meant to share with others. You are my witnesses of my forgiving act of self-sacrifice. Um, that's the power that he hands them. It is a very confusing answer, especially that's the first time in history they had heard it or really were tasked with being this witness. Here's the thing that they did so differently than Pilate. Pilate, remember, throws up his hands because it's too complicated. These guys, the next time we read about the disciples, Jesus has gone to heaven and the disciples are huddled together. And they're asking the question, what did he mean? How do we live this out? What does that look like for us? What did he mean by witnesses? Does that mean we need to go or stay or what should we do? They are talking together. That's what you need to do. Sometimes you will be tempted to say, this this question is too small. Everybody knows this but me, and I'm embarrassed to ask it. That's fine. Come to start your journey. (laughs) Call someone from the church and say, like, hey, anonymously, can I ask this question? For sure, you can ask that question about faith. But let me tell you how we can do this even more together. Here's the challenge. Please take a trusted Christian friend out to coffee and ask your top five questions. More coffee is the answer this week. (laughs) ask them what their top five was when they first explored faith. I'd love to tell you my top five. I had big questions as a young person in faith. I still have big questions that I'd love to share with you. What are your questions? Will you ask somebody? Will you not be like me in 2020 where you're like, I waited 20 years. I should probably do something and ask someone. It is time to take people out to coffee. Spread God's love over a cup of brew. Um, what you'll find is that God is inviting you into connection with him. Let's, let's look one more time uh, at what we learned today. Uh, we can build our faith by asking questions, thinking, and exploring. We need to ask genuine questions. We need to face into complicated or challenging answers. And then please, please explore faith together. Uh, we're going to end today by singing one more song. And so you'll see in just a second, both here and at Torrance, the band is going to load behind me. Uh, but let me tell you, as they are doing that, uh, one more story that I told you as a young man, I was in situations that were telling me not to ask questions. The other side of my life was, was a beautiful connecting point uh, of people giving me the opposite, the truth, which is ask any questions that you want. Specifically, I want to share that my mom was that for me. Uh, when I was a little kid, six to eight years old, I remember going to bed, and my mom would come every night. She'd sit by me in my bed, and she'd say, okay, any questions about God? And I had questions as a little guy. I remember asking, like, how did they fit all of those animals in that boat? That can't be real. She was like, that's complicated. Let's talk about it. We would talk about it. Or I'd say, like, did did Adam and Eve have belly buttons, and why? And were they, like, 
born as 30-year-olds, or were they like baby Adam and Eve, or what's the, what's the deal with that? And she would say, wow, that's a complicated nighttime question. Let's talk about it. And then I would say, hey, Mom, what if I screw up? What, what, if I, what would I have to do that God would stop loving me? And she'd say, oh, that one's easy. We can tackle that one. He doesn't, he doesn't stop loving you. He invites you back into a relationship with him. I know we all didn't have moms like that. Can we be that support for one another? Where we would say, great question. More coffee, please. Bring in more coffee. And then would we say those other ones where it's like, hey, if you have a doubt that God loves you, you can put that one aside. Let me show you by my friendship, by our care for you, that you are loved. He wants to forgive you and connect with you uh, into eternity. Let, let's do that. Let's, let's bring God's love in that way this week. Hey, can I ask you to stand uh, so that we're ready to sing and I'll, I'll close us in prayer before we get to that song. All right, pray, pray with me. Dear Jesus, we, we come before you with everything we are. We come with our spiritual curiosity. We come with our thinking, our reasoning, our questioning minds and we bring those to you. We want to find you. God, wherever we have been, will you draw us closer to you as we are curious to connect with you? Will you show us truth? Will you challenge us in big ways to go beyond ourselves and so we can experience your love and your beauty more and more in our lives? Jesus, this week, uh, we come to you and we want to think through our faith in connection with your spirit. Will you guide us? Will you give us a connection with one another uh, that will make that closer, closer connection with truth happen? Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much. We give you the rest of this day by praying in your name. Amen.